Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Heat Nation, welcome back to Believe in Miami Heat for another week. And as always, I'm your host, Joey Levin, back with you as we've hit the 20-game mark of the Heat season. It is not quite the fashion that most of us had hoped. Miami sitting at 7-13 and 13 after Monday night's just brutal loss to the fighting Malik Monks and the Charlotte Hornets. Malik Monk comes out of nowhere for 36. Got to talk about it. I, I talk about it on here a few times. The 20 game mark for many people. When I worked in the league, we talked about it a lot. The 20 game mark, it's one of those marks where you start to really start to evaluate the team. But but then it's, this is the year, it's the COVID year. What's going on? Can you really evaluate the Miami Heat 20 games in the season? I'm going to discuss that and everything going on here with the Heat, but I'm not alone. And I got somebody with me. He's a, he's a lot smarter than I am when it comes to these things. So I'm going to discuss all of those things with him, everything that's going on with the Heat season. But first, I talk to you guys about this every week. It happens every week, and I'm going to keep talking to you about it because they're paying the bills. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. And if you're looking for a place to bet on any sports going on, betonline.ag is the best and the only place to lock it in. Prop bets. That's all I'm sticking with this year for the Super Bowl. Prop bets. I'm not, I, like, I'm not a football guy. I lost a lot of money betting on football this year. But I saw I – was, I was listening to a show earlier, and they said something about – uh, the prop that it, whether it's going to be a touchback on the opening kickoff is 17 and two for non touchbacks over the last 19 years. Cause it's a brand new ball. Give me the, t- give me the non touchback. I'm going with the numbers from game spreads, totals, team player and coaching props. Bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online. There's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great signup bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so obviously alluded to it off the top. We got a lot to get into at the 20-game mark. It's not, It hasn't been the season that we've hoped for your heat. So who better to bring in to discuss it with me than a two-time NBA champion for your Miami Heat? He's currently playing in Lyon, France. He's the pride of Cleveland State University. He is Norris Cole. Norris, what's up, dude? What's going on? What's going on? Heat Nation, what's up? What's up? Yeah, man, I was excited to see you were coming on the pod and excited to have you and excited that you stayed up till midnight in France to talk Miami Heat basketball. So the people better be pumped about that, man. I, I, living it, first of all, before we even get into that, how's life in France right now? Well, you know, COVID is everywhere. I know. <laughs> so I wanted so, to, you know, I was going to ask you about that too. But yeah, yeah, COVID is everywhere. So you know, I'm being safe. You know, I only go to work and back home. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful country. Um, you know, it's treated me well. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying being able to see the world and still doing what I love. Absolutely, man. Yeah, that's awesome. As long, you know, people people don't get it. I mean, like that, that finite window that you have to make money doing this thing that you love, you got to take advantage of it, however you can get it. So it's awesome. I mean, it's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about the heat a little bit. So I mentioned it off the top, the 20 game threshold, right? We, it gets mm-hmm. talked about so much as a player having, you know, your experience, an NBA champion, um, regardless of the heat or anything, do you buy into that? Like at, that at the 20 game mark, we can really start to see it. Or do you think, there's really a little more of a window, 25, 20, 25 to 30. Yeah, because I get what people are saying. There's now there's tape. Now we can see what the team has done. 
there's still 52 more yeah. games. So where do you stand? Well, after, after 20 games, you're able to you know evaluate where you are at the time. It gives you a measuring stick. Really, you you evaluate every 10 games is how you really do it. And so, you know, at the 10 game mark, obviously it was a lot of injuries. Um, 20 game mark, you still was dealing with injuries and some guys are coming back trying to work their stuff in shape. And so, you know, at 20 games, you're able to see where you are. Um, you're able to kind of make some, you know, corrections if corrections need to be made because you have a big enough sample size to where you can, you know, make decisions based off of what you've seen after 20 games. Um, but this season is different. It's different because, you know, so many guys have been in and out of the lineup, you know, exactly, so yeah. you evaluate the guys play, but you also have an understanding that some guys haven't played and a lot of guys who who've coming back, got to, got to get back in shape. You know, COVID is, is real. It, it definitely, um, you know, obviously it looks like it's, it takes a toll. You know, Jimmy Butler looks a lot slimmer. No, a lot yeah, of guys. Did you see that report? I don't know if you if you saw that, but did you see the report that he lost twelve pounds while he was out? It, man, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. I could just look at him and tell, you know. And then mm-hmm. conditioning wise, you know what do, what do they say? It keeps you out for a week to two weeks. Mm-hmm. And you know, Miami Heat conditioning is different than all other conditioning. So some players that are in shape for other teams wouldn't be considered in shape for the Heat. And so imagine a player who's been having to sit out because of illness and being injured and coming back to get back in Miami heat type of shape. It's going to take some time. So, I mean, with that being said, when you look at what's happened with the heat, so last night or excuse me, last game against Charlotte, you know, full team back, but not obviously not totally back. Like you're saying guys are working their way. Tyler dealing with the neck thing, Tyler hero dealing with the neck thing that he was out with. Jimmy obviously was out with COVID and all these guys, um, but seven and 13, they've only won back-to-back games once this year. Uh, and that game, yeah. I mean, look, I mentioned Malik Monk. I saw you smiling at the Malik Monk, the fighting Malik Monks, Malik Monk, uh, man had 44 points total on the season coming into that game and then scores 36. Wow. Uh, it, you know, but that being said, a game that they should have probably put away. They were up by 11 at one point and Malik obviously hits that crazy shot to put it into overtime. When mm-hmm. you look at the start of this season, do you, do you think that there's more to it? Because I know a lot of heat nation is getting to that point now where they're like, all right, how much can we blame it on COVID? Like we, you know, we got to start getting this thing together a little bit. Well, you know, the Miami heat way, we don't make excuses. That's one thing that we don't do. We don't make excuses, but the facts are the facts. Our best players have not been able to play a lot of games yet this season. And so those are just the facts. But one thing about the Miami Heat, um, you know, we believe in building culture there. And so anyone who steps on the floor, anyone who puts on a uniform is expected to go out there and compete at a high level. And so some of those mistakes, you know, are just not acceptable no matter who's in the game. But um, at Heat Nation, I don't believe you should panic. Um, if it's one, if it's one thing I know, you know, Coach Spo, he's always going to find a way to, you know, keep the guys motivated. He's always going to figure out a way to make the guys, uh, you know, help the guys to get better. And I believe that the the core group of guys there, you know, they're feisty enough, they're gritty enough, they're hungry enough to want to get better, and they understand that you know, seven to thirteen is just not acceptable. Um, the Eastern Conference this year is tough though, so you don't want to fall too far behind because the East is not the the quote-unquote weak Eastern Conference anymore. Not at all. Not you know, at it's, all. It's, it's loaded. So, 
you know, if there if there ever was a time to get on a, a nice win streak, now was the time. Yeah, and you got uh, you got a pretty. I got the schedule pulled up here. The next four games, you got Washington twice. Who, hey, look, regardless of what Washington is, they still got Brad and Russ. So any night, you never know. And yeah, then, but you still got to win those. Right, exactly. You got to win those, and then you got the Knicks who are actually playing good ball. So you got four games against the Heat, the the excuse me, the Wizards and the Knicks. You should you should ideally go three and one in those games. But we, you know, I yeah. said that I said that last week <laughs> with back to backs against Detroit and Toronto, and they struggle. But you said a couple of things there that are interesting to me. One was, um, you know, you talked about that you know not to panic and that this that you like what this core is. And then, but you, so I want to address that. But I, 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 you also mentioned the mistakes. Right. And when you look at this team, right. Um, defensively, they're not bad. Right. Still first doing what they do defensively. First defensively, finish wise always. Yeah. So top 10 in opponent field goal percentage, top 10 mm-hmm. in opponent three point percentage first in the league in opponent points in the paint right now. Okay. So they're doing the things they do, but the turnovers, dude, the turnovers are absurd. They're second in the league in turnovers. And first in the league in opponent turnovers or, or opponent points per off turnovers right now. If you just so my I guess the question would be, is it that is is there something that can is it easy to just clean that up at midway at the midpoint? Is it something that do you think because there hasn't been the reps with the full squad that they're sloppy because they were turning the ball over even then you know early in the year when everybody was healthy. Uh, it's just been a consistent thing this year. Is there something that you see in their play that can change, or is it just get, getting more comfortable with each other? I mean, they should be comfortable pretty much. Well, you know, well, it's a it's multiple things. Yes, one, yes, it can be corrected. It's about concentration, you know, concentrating on the pass, concentrating on the catch, um, creating space to create clean catches, and, and and you know, not taking too many chances. You know, when you when when you turn the ball over a lot, sometimes it's best to, you know, play it safe for a few possessions and not try to to pass with a short window. And mm-hmm. so that can be corrected. But at the beginning of the year, you know, there was no training camp. And then you got hit with injuries and COVID protocol. So that's a recipe for disaster when it comes to timing, which the way the Heat play, a lot of it has to do with timing, passing and cutting. You know, they don't run a a heavy, you know, one person isolation type of they, style. They've been getting caught in that a little bit this year. I think that's yeah, been and that's, and that's one of the reasons why, why yeah. they're struggling, but that's not really their style. Their style right. of play is move the ball, cutting timing. And then at the end of the shot clock, get the ball to Jimmy Gordon or hero. Mm-hmm. And so far this year, they haven't been able to get to that. And so it can be corrected. They have to, you know, Spo is, is really good at making adjustments. I, I'll say that once he sees that, okay, maybe we're struggling in this area. You know, he'll talk to the team and then he'll try something different to help him, you know, to help them get out of that slump. And so I'm sure he's talking to his team, telling them, cut down on the turnovers, cut down on the turnovers, keep the play simple, mm-hmm. play simple, play effective, play with spacing. And then I think as the guys get back in shape, I think they'll be, I think they'll be fine. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's so interesting because it's just not, it's so uncharacteristic. And I understand like yes. no training camp is, but, but what was it? A, I, it was like a two and a half month turnaround from, they were just playing in the finals. Right. Still, so, still, I know they had I to know. get healthy. They were beat up. 
I know. Yeah, I think oh, yeah, Bam's that's true. shoulder was Bam was beat up. Goron Gordon was foot. beat up. You know, yeah. they had to get none back in shape for he because he was just getting back for the finals for the playoffs from COVID protocol. You know, obviously Jimmy was wore out from yeah. from carrying the team. You know, in the finals, so th- those two months off was like much needed. <laughs> yeah. How how much do you think? You know, and we talked. You mentioned the core, right? In the in the, the squad that they currently have. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bigger question to ask about that, but then there's also the the Jay Crowder, right? Losing Jay Crowder. Yeah. Obviously, he wanted the two years. They wanted to try to save the one year to go after Giannis, which isn't going to happen at this point. How much it, it, is it sustainable to try to get through this year with Kelly Olynyk and re- basically Iguodala as your your two fours right now? Myers Leonard, by the way, out for the year they just announced had shoulder surgery. Um, so is it sustainable or is it something where they need to go find the guy to replace Jake? Cause he was huge for them. Well, one thing I know Pat Riley is always looking to upgrade his roster. Mm-hmm. He'll always try to figure out a way to upgrade his roster. Um, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. Um, the guys who are on the roster have to play and that's all they should focus on. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that um, one, the two guys you name. No, especially Andre Iguodala. He's the ultimate pro. He's the ultimate pro. And he's going to, you know, he's professional enough to be able to sustain whatever the team needs him to do. But I also know that, you know, Pat Riley is smart enough to know also, you know, <laughs> when changes or adjustments need to be made. And so I, I, I will believe, I will believe and be confident in his decision making. Yeah. And, and I think the team that they have right now can win more games as they are. I'd be I'm not saying I'm not saying they can get back to the finals as constructed, but I'm saying they can play better than seven and thirteen as constructed. Speaking of those finals, speaking as someone who played in the league, we yeah. we we hear the different, uh, and this is a tangent, obviously, but we hear the the different opinions on what people think about the bubble finals and the bubble playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously you didn't play in it, but do you think? Do you think it was harder or do you think it makes it easier not having to travel and just being there to get, especially a team like the heat, younger culture, a, a leader like Jimmy, who sort of gets everyone going. Like, do you think, well, this is both a big thing. I believe it's, it's, it's easier from a physical standpoint. You know, you're not traveling, you know, you get treatment right away. You know, you're right there, but from a, from a mental and emotional standpoint, you know, it's probably more difficult. Mm-hmm. because you're you never get a break from basketball you know normally after a game you go home you see your family you can get away from the arena you don't have to you know you can get away from the game go out to a restaurant whatever you know in the bubble after the game you have to see the refs you have to see your opponents you still have <laughs> yeah. to see your teammates every day your coaches every day you have to take tests get that thing stuck up through your brain or you know swab you you know and swab you in the you know right. in the mouth every day so you know, from that emotionally, it was definitely difficult. But from a physical standpoint, no question, it was the easier. It was the easy because when you have to just think, when you imagine having to travel from LA to Miami and then back to LA, I mean, I, that I, that would be so strenuous physically. It would make the challenge harder. But you know, playing and then just going back to the hotel physically—that's just that's just easy. But emotionally, not being able to drive your car. Not be able to go see your family. Yeah, it's great. Listen, I, when I after I worked in the league, I worked at CBS, and I covered one finals. It was Cavs mm. Warriors, and so that, you know, so that travel 
I don't ever want to Ooh. do it again. It was awful. It was the most, one of the most miserable experiences. And everyone was Man. like, oh, this is great. You get to go to the finals. I'm like, dog, after the first game, I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. It sucks. <laughs> this yeah, is, this it's, is it's fucking very brutal. And imagine for the players. After I know. No, I totally. I mean, I traveled with the Hornets for, for three years. So the travel, people don't understand. Like you obviously know, right, having lived yeah. it. But, you know, when I, w- when I first work- started working in the league, you know, after my first season in Charlotte, I started traveling with the team and I was like, oh, this is cool, right? This is cool. And I'm, I'm in the traveling party. Man, after half a season, especially when you're, well, it's different for us because we were getting pounded out every night. I mean, I think we won set, that was the year we won seven games. I think. Um, <laughs> you know, that was the year you, your rookie year. We, our rookie years were the same year, pretty much in the league, but you won a championship. I worked for a seven win team, but I'll digress. But uh, yeah, no, travel is brutal. So I, I totally get that. Um, I'd be shocked if they don't make a move. I'd be shocked if they don't make some type of move to upgrade that just because, and not even that Kelly's not good or that Iggy's not good and even precious. It's just, it's, it seems unsustainable to not have at least another big present, but I will say this, I was watching the Suns last night. Right. And I don't think this is on anyone's radar. I don't think this is on anyone's radar because everyone's talking PJ Tucker, this, the Jay Crowder is sitting on the bench. They benched him. He's playing 15. He played 15 minutes last night. He doesn't look great. He doesn't look, he looks a little out of sync right now. Come back home, come back home and run <laughs> it back. Come back home and run it back. Throw him a second rounder. And like to come get, let's get Jay, hey, get him back. You never, you never know. That could possibly happen. Hey, if anyone's, happen. if anyone's thinking about it, it's Riles, right? James, James is out there running the front office. You know what I'm saying? He's one of the most creative minds when it comes to getting something done that he wants done. So it hasn't been much that he hasn't been, been able to get done in this league as far as a personnel standpoint. So if anybody can figure it out, the Zen master, he, you know, he can, he can figure it out. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Like as a guy who played at a small school and you were late first round draft pick, like they found like, and not, you would have been drafted by somebody, but you just, it was right. the, heat. the heat were like, Hey, this is our guy. Like we're pegging this guy at this spot. And then having been there, like, what is it about Riles, that front office, th- those guys that they just find these, like, like in Charlotte, like against Charlotte, the, uh, the other, Max Struess. Hey, we knew this guy could shoot and he's okay, but like, they just plucked him from Chicago. What couldn't play for a bad Chicago team, but now he's dropping 19 for the heat in a, in a big role. Like he's getting more and more minutes. What is it about the organization? Is it, it do you think it's something like to, to even get on the court for the heat? You have to get through like, the heat, like conditioning and all that. So, you know, if they make it like a guy makes it through that, they must be real. Like that's part of it. That Yeah. That plays a part. The culture definitely plays a part, you know, cause you have to earn everything. Everybody that works there for the organization has to earn it every day. Everyone's always being evaluated, you know, seeing if they're doing their job at the top of the top level. And so, you know, when, when everyone from top to bottom is, you know, being evaluated and everyone from top to bottom is giving it their all, no matter who you are, once you come in there, there's an expectation. Mm-hmm. And guys who are competitive and who, who want to get better, they meet those expectations or surpass them. And those are the guys that are able to stick and stay and play for the heat. And the ones that are not, they're, you know, soon removed because the culture is not for everybody. You know, it's a tough, it's a sure. tough culture down there. You know, mm-hmm. it's, 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 you know, people say it's South Beach, but it's blue collar work once you step into you know, the American Airlines arena. And so, you know, I think the culture allows them to bring guys in who are not highly touted 
and that chip on the shoulder, which the guy probably already has anyway, mm-hmm. it's just magnified when you play in a in a rugged, tough culture like the Heat. Yeah. Plus their player development, you know, they do a good job of letting you know what your role will be. Mm-hmm. And then they help you with the player development into playing that role. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to bring it back to the roster, right? So we talked <clears throat> about, like, obviously, you know, Pat, they're going to do something. If it, especially if it doesn't turn around, they're going to make some move. But I think what a lot of people are wondering is, will they make the move, like the big move? Like, is there going to be a what, big move? What is the big move? Well, the big move now would be Brad Beal, I think, is what everyone w- would like, right? I think ah. it, I think they look to Washington. They're terrible this year, even though I guess anything's possible, but they're not doing what they – they have a weird roster construction because they have they, – they trade for Russ, they got Brad, then they got all these young guys. It's just – and then Thomas Bryant goes out for the year. They're just – seem like – kind of do they're rebuilding now they in rebuild mode for sure. but it's weird like they're in rebuild but they just trade for us so it's it's a hard you know so it's tough i know it was a one-to-one thing it's like how do we get rid of john wall we get russ because the contracts match it was the only thing they could do but um it's just so brad is the guy i think that a lot of people look at now like Giannis is pretty much off the table unless something crazy happens and he demands a trade hardens off the table um so i think a lot of people are saying you know, Brad, Brad's that guy who's, he's the next disgruntled, you know, employee, so to speak, who's going to want out if he doesn't, I mean, he's, he is sort of, his prime is, I mean, he's guys averaging 35 a game and losing games, you know. He's been pretty professional though. He hasn't Absolutely. asked, he hasn't asked out yet. And so, totally. And that's why I think the Heat would probably target him even more because they probably look yeah. at him and say, all right, this guy's just going to work every day. And Victor Oladipo is on the one, you know, he only have, I believe, one year left on his deal in Houston. So, that could be something they're keeping. You know, he's – I'm sure Pat has his eye on a bunch of things. But as far as this season goes, I don't believe that the Bradley Bill move is going to happen. Personally, I don't think that's okay. what's going to happen. Interesting. Um, and obviously Bradley Bill would make any roster better, but that's not their issue right now. The Heat's issue is not that they – you know, I mean, like I said, everybody, anybody can use another all-star caliber 35-point-per-game score. But their issue right now, like you said, is turnovers – getting guys healthy. Once they get guys healthy and they don't turn the ball over, they're one of the best teams in the East. And so, and Jimmy, yeah. and Jimmy Butler when healthy is one of the best players in the East. So, yeah. and Bam out of Bayou is like the, maybe the second best big behind Joel Embiid in the East. Oh, Bam is, Bam is just. <laughs> Bam is a monster. So well, Bam has become, it's crazy too, because I went on, not to I'm gonna pat myself on the back a little bit, but uh, before the playoffs last year, I went on a local radio show down here with a guy who does the heat pregame. Mm-hmm. And he asked me, he's like, what are you expecting, you know, in this first round and going forward? And I said, it's like, I expect the heat to beat the Pacers. They have some injuries, this and that. I said, if it's not in this round, then in the second round against Boston, Bam Adebayo will be a household name. Like he will be a household name by the end of these playoffs He's too damn good. He's too, he's too skilled. He might be the third or fourth most skilled big man in the NBA. And then he goes in that Boston series and has that block again on Jason Tatum. And now everyone in the world, I mean, he, all heat fans knew, but I don't think people yeah. quite knew yet. And now bam. Well, he was the all-star last year though. I know, but it was like a under the radar kind of thing. I, I don't think people really got it. Right. I don't think they really, cause even the all-star game, it's gotten to a point where I don't even I think people watch Saturday night more than they watch the game anyways. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, do, do they know, you know? Um, but, but the playoffs is where 
that's when everybody starts to do. Well, they know who he is now. Oh yeah, he's he's crazy. But here's where here's where I'm torn on the Beal thing because I don't disagree. Like I think it, it, I can't get. I, I I obviously like I look at what they did last year with this roster. Sands, Jay Crowder, right? You bring in other guys. Uh, the Mo, Mo obviously hasn't worked out great. Mo Harkless hasn't worked out great. Could turn it around. Who knows? But it hasn't worked out great yet. Um, so obviously I look at that and I'm like, okay, this roster must have enough, right? Like they must have enough if everyone gets healthy and things get right. But you mentioned like the East is kind of murderer's row right now, right? The East is brutal. I mean, you got Brooklyn. Uh, brutal. Joel, Joel Embiid's MVP right now. You got Jalen yes. Brown and Jason Tatum each averaging 27 a game. Crazy. Uh, so, and here's where I, I love Jimmy and what Jimmy did last year. He had one of the best playoffs, one of the best finals runs for a team that probably the best finals performance for a player that didn't win a title ever. That, what he did in that finals was unbelievable. But where Jimmy yeah. frustrates me at times, and I think probably frustrates some people it, just in terms of his game, and he, it even happened against Charlotte. He, he becomes this passive guy. I, I know his, his role in his mind is get everyone involved and then I'll get mine when it matters a lot of times. But I also, when I watch him play, no one can guard him. And he can't even, he's not a three-point shooter at all, really. And he still, they can't guard him. He gets to, he gets to his spots. His pull-up, his mid-range is incredible. He gets to the free throw line. But even against Charlotte, he had 13 points entering the fourth quarter. And I finished with 25 because he had eight in the fourth quarter and four in overtime. But like, if your best wing player, like for example, if if in a game, if KD had 13 going into the fourth quarter, we'd probably be like, man, what's going on with KD? Like, Jimmy wants to be passive a lot of times, which is where I'm like, well, if you could go get a Brad Beal, who we know he's not going to be passive. Then when Jimmy needs to be like when you know how Jimmy always says when I when I need to be that guy I'll be that guy. Mm-hmm. I feel like for this team more often than not he needs to be that guy. But if he doesn't want yeah. to be, maybe you got to go until I mean Tyler might be able to be that guy eventually, but he's not yet. I love Tyler Hero, but he's not that yet. Maybe you do. Maybe you go get that guy to put with Jimmy, especially when you look at all the killers around the East right now. Well, the one thing that Jimmy knows, he knows the pulse of his team. And he knows that he needs to get those guys going because a lot of those guys can't get themselves going. Like Duncan Robinson plays a lot off of kickouts, swing, swings. Same thing with Tyler Hero. I mean, Tyler can break guys down every now and then off the dribble, but he's really good when the ball swung to him where he can make a play in point five. You know, point, we call that point five in the yeah. NBA, where he can catch it shoot one, two dribble or, or, you know, get to the rim, but he's not a heavy ball handler, you know, dribbler. So Jimmy understand him and Bam are really the two major playmakers for others on the team. And so I think Jimmy understands that in order for the team to go, he needs to get those guys going and he knows that he can get going whenever he wants, but it's coming time now where, you know, he may have to go to that mode a little earlier in the season than maybe he wants to, because, you know, you don't want to fall too far behind. And, you know, him and Bam, they, you know, Bam is doing it. You know, he, he's been trying. Yeah, he's, he's been holding it down. Man, I mean, yeah. One, one, obviously the NBA, you got to have two or three guys on, on yep. the roster that's playing at a high level in order to compete. And so mm-hmm. I think Jimmy, I think he has a good enough understanding to know like, okay, maybe I need to turn it up a little bit more. 
And I think him, Gordon, and uh, Dragic, and um, Bam, I think they can – I think those three can can lead this team back to, to you know, contention. I think if if my assuming Miami gets going, I think Goron right now is sixth man of the year. I mean, I know Jordan Clarkson is having an incredible year and Utah is playing incredible. But my argument to the voters would be look at the impact. Like when Goron didn't play those two games, the Heat were awful. And obviously Jimmy was not playing either. But at least without Jimmy with Goron, they were competitive. When Goron and Jimmy Goron is such a, a big influence on that team's offensively because of his ability to create his own shot. Like you said, Jimmy is setting up other guys because they can't do it. Goron's one of the few who can and has been doing it. And he's also, I mean, Jordan Clarkson's averaging like 18. Goron's averaging like 16. He's flying under the radar. Like if they can turn it around, he's. But you know how they, you know how those individual awards go. They normally give it to the guys whose team got the better record. That's true. So, well, we'll see but, how you. I, I'm not. Yeah, totally we'll bought in. I'm not totally there. bought in on Utah just yet. I, they're playing great. They're yeah, playing yeah, great. I, yeah. It's it's a little early for me too. You know, I, I but, mean, like you said, they're playing. They're playing really excellent. But like you said, the narr the, these the awards are all about narratives, right? Yeah. And, and I yeah. and I and I've I on this other podcast I was on, we were talking about this, and I was like, well, if Utah keeps playing even remotely like this, think about last year before the NBA season. How many members of the media were when they got Mike Conley? Everyone was like, "Oh, this is a top three team," and then they didn't do it. And now they're mm-hmm. playing like a top three team. So all these media guys are going to be, and I, I say media guys, I have a podcast. All these media guys are going to be like, "I told you, I told you, you guys <laughs> top three team. I said it all along." And then, oh, let's give, yeah. let's give Rudy Defensive Player of the Year. You know, that's, oh. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, but yeah, that's that's a whole other thing. I mean, award. That's a yeah. that's a whole other story, but. You know, yeah. everybody wants their pat on the back. So, you know, if you of course. if you predicted that Utah was going to be a top three team. I mean, I just patted myself. I'm doing the same. I just yeah. did the same thing about Bam that I'm talking about other people doing. Um, what do you think about, like, the league? We talking, we're talking about so much with this COVID thing. Like, how do you feel, you know, like, it's so weird how they've been dis- – how everything's I, – I do five – I do almost six podcasts a week about the NBA, and I still don't totally understand the protocols. Like, sometimes – like for the example, the heat, right? Because the heat are the heat and Eric Spolster is like, we're going to do our thing. We're going to play. If we have eight guys, we're going to play. Right. But they could easily be like, Hey, uh, you know, you stubbed your toe. Let's say we have seven and now we can't play. Uh, so all like some of these, like the, like the Grizzlies, for example, they're playing incredible basketball, but they also had five games postponed in, in the, mm-hmm. game, right? whereas the heat, they were just like, all right, we're going to play. We're going to play short man. We're going to play with eight guys and we're just going to go. What do you think about how this situation has been? Cause it seems just all over the, they've, they've postponed 23 games already this season. And it seems like the heat and probably Dallas have been the two teams that have been crushed by it. Cause they just keep playing. Well, that's That was expected. The moment they decided to have a season with no bubble, you knew that this was going to happen. And so, yeah. you know, the one thing that the NBA has proven to be able to do is adjust on the fly. And so, you know, if the season has to be stretched out a little longer, you know, last year proved that it could be done. Or if once we get to the playoffs, they need to put it in a bubble again, the league has proven that they can do that. So the league has many options, but the moment that they decide to have a season with no bubble, you just knew this was going to happen. And the same thing is in Europe, the same thing in other leagues all around the world. Um, you no, know, you play the games and 
The games you can't play, you just postpone them. And if those games end up meaning something as far as a tie or a record, you know, you play them out. So I, I believe the NBA has the same um, has the same idea. And I think the players just have to be professional and be disciplined, you know, go to work, go home, wash your hands, stay out of people's face, no newcomers around your house, you know, just have to be disciplined. Um, I know people like to live their life and do everything they want to do, but when it comes to professionalism, when it comes to people's health, sometimes you have to think about others and not just yourself, you know? I, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's just like, I, it's tough. I mean, the whole thing's been tough on everybody, yep. but hey, man, like you still got a you. First of all, got a job to do. You got a career. You got people yep. to you, you you. And when you take that risk, you're not just impacting your family because if games get postponed and the season gets canceled, now you're impacting everyone's families. Like it's absolutely and the fans and the fans and the fans. Yeah, I mean, know? there's a lot of people who count on this, right? Like they, this is what's getting them through having to sit at home all day every day, right? Like so, I totally with you. Is that how it is in your league where you're playing? Like it's just yeah, in your league, pretty much the same. There's no, there's no bubble out here. Or the women, the women's Euro league, they have a bubble, but the men's Euro league, there's no bubble. You no, know, we play, we get tested. You know, twice a week. Um, you know, we, we have hope, you know, we stay in our, when we travel, you know, we stay in the hotel, you know, they tell us when we're at home, you know, not to be, you know, venturing out, there's curfews, there's citywide, countrywide curfews. So, wow. okay. you know, that's, you know, that's, it's like that most places. Yeah. I think, I think Florida and Texas might be the only places that's open. Listen, dude, it's, no, man. You, I mean, shit, you were down here. You were down here. Yeah. You know how it is down here. It's the wild West yeah. down here, man. This is, it's yeah. uh, yes. Uh, it is crazy down here. I've heard some other things. Like uh, I heard a reporter that was at the senior bowl. Who's that's up in Alabama. And he said, uh, <laughs> he said he thinks it yeah. might be illegal to wear masks. That's how few people are wearing masks. Like that's that's unfortunate, man. That's unfortunate. It's 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 wild. But yeah, down here it's um, yeah. Even I was living. I lived on Fort. I moved off the beach, not because Mm -hmm. of that, but I was living on the beach on Fort Lauderdale Beach. And man, even in the even in the worst parts of this thing, it did not seem. Oh no, it didn't seem. Dude, come on, it was packed, and I I wasn't work. I was working from home or not working. So I would go like run on the beach. People, I mean, packed, packed, crazy. What do you think about, um, what are your thoughts on COVID sniffing dogs? Man, listen, when I first heard that, I thought it was a joke. I'm going to be honest. I was like, COVID sniffing dogs. I'm still interested to see, is that really, is that real? They're doing it at the heat games. I mean, but is it real? No, I totally, no, no, listen. Like, I know the dogs are there, but is it again, like, are okay. they really sniffing COVID? Like, what well, is that's that? my thing. That's my thing. So, it, there's so many. There's so many questions, right? It's like, okay, you see the video of them training these dogs, right? And they have the COVID in, like, I guess there's like a thing that they're like the dogs are like smelling it, right? And they're training them the same way they would train like a bomb sniffing dog or like a drug sniffing dog. They're training them like that. Mm. And supposedly, right? Supposedly, um, from what I've been told and what I've read very briefly, so I'm not an expert. They can like smell it in your, cause dog senses are obviously heightened. They can smell it in the sweat, right? They can smell and people now granted if you're walking to the way 
American Airlines is set up, unless you park under the arena, you're probably walking and you're sweating at least a little bit. So if they could, but they also showed videos of the dogs. And these dogs are just walking around, like quick sniff, keep walking. Because you know what? The way it is, is it's just like a bomb dog, right? So they they sniff it. If they stop and sit in front of you, you got it. Right, right. Keep walking, then you don't have it. But my question is, we just believe the dog. Like, right, right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, like, so now we're gonna put this on animals now. Yeah, we just believe the dog. Like, it, I mean, if a dog sniffs a bomb and he sits in front of a bag, or if a dog smells weed and he sits in front of a bag, open the bag, there's the bomb. If a dog smells COVID, I just, I just have COVID. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right, right. Tell me I have co- Like, do we have proof? Can you show me something to tell me? So we're just letting. Yes. So dogs are just doing it. Yeah, this is this is this is getting out of hand. It's I, crazy. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, you you, you hate to want to, you know, you don't want to talk about people or, or everything, but like this is this is kind of. So what happens if what happens if a dog sniffs a guy or a young lady and says they have COVID and they have to leave and then they, they go get the test and they find out they don't and they spent all that money on their ticket. So what happens then? That's what I was wondering too, and then like also, um, you know, like for example. I read that if you if you're allergic or if you're uncomfortable with it, you can opt out of the dog and get a rapid test. So well, I I know a certain I know a couple of people who are terrified of dogs. Yeah, I mean have a real phobia, and they would never ever ever let a dog come within three feet of them to sniff them. Won't happen. Yeah, so they I guess they have forty the forty five minute tests at the arena. So if you opt out of the dog, then you got to do the test the forty five minute test. I guess my question also is like, okay, let's say you pay to go. The dog says you have COVID and you say, well, I don't trust the dog. Give me a test. Are they going to give me a test? Like, how does that work? I mean, do, are we just saying the dog's got the power now? Like it's, it's up to um, the dog. I got to, I got to do more research on that. I know it's, it's just so I love it's when I heard it though, somebody told me about that out here and I heard about it. I was like, I got to do more research because there's no way that that's the truth, but I see that it's, it's definitely the truth. You know what's crazy is I should do more research too, but I love to just speculate because it's so, mm-hmm. it just seems so absurd. Like I like to think of the, like, what are the situations? Like, <laughs> like I'm going to have to call one of my guys from the team, like, man. Can you imagine, can you imagine like in Atlanta, that lady that was yelling at LeBron last night, like her getting, did you see that? The LeBron? Yeah, thing? I saw like, can you imagine her? Like, she's not letting the dogs. Like, she's they're paying forty thousand dollars for that ticket. She didn't tell me a dog telling me I have COVID. Come on, right, right. And I would be the same way. I know. I would be the same way. Like, man, listen, <laughs> I paid forty thousand dollars for this seat. Yeah, that's I'm crazy. Going, I'm going into this game. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Uh, all right. Well, no, I, at least look first conversation, and I'm glad we're on the same page about the dogs. Cause I love talking about it and I hope it's right. I, Hey, look, if it's, if it's real, Hey, dog saving the world. Awesome. Man, love if it's it. real, I'm going to get me a dog and I'm about to, that's what I'm saying. COVID testing protocol dog. Yeah. I'm going, I'm getting all the dogs. You, you're not coming near me. You, Hey, meet my, my dog at the yeah, door. Yeah, hey, yeah. You go delivery guy. You stand right there. Dog walk up, <laughs> smell on the stuff. Yeah. Okay. All right. You come in. Come on. You're good. All right. <laughs> We all got to get them. Um, all right. Hold on, but what happens if no one ever gets any positive tests coming into the game? I haven't heard of any. That's what I'm saying. I feel like we would have heard, right? There's been two games now, I think, or maybe three games that they've had the dogs there. I haven't heard of any positives. And yeah, that's but it's South, it's South Florida. 
everything's wide open. I know. There's yeah. people down there. And also, the, and what's the positive? I mean, the positive, I don't know. I haven't followed it in a little bit, like the rates and stuff, but it's got to still be like two or 3% positive. So you're telling me they let 2,000 people in? Somebody's got it. I mean, 3%. For sure. You know? I mean, Somebody. Miami is still one of the highest places with it because, you know, Absolutely. everything is wide open. Absolutely. And then also, I guess, like, what's the liability? Like, if, yeah, this is a whole other thing. Like, yeah, that's yeah, the other yeah. thing. I'm just like, like, for example, like you're saying, like, if the dogs sniff all the people and all the people pass the dog test, but then 10 people that are sitting near each other get COVID the next day, can they go back to the arena and be like, yo, you told me I don't have COVID or that nobody had COVID. Every, so everyone who's sitting in this arena right now can't have COVID because the dog sniffed them. So if I get COVID, can I go back to the heat and be like, yo, you gave me COVID. Right. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. It's just the whole dog thing just blows my mind. I can't stop talking. I talk about it on every show I go on. I can't stop. Yeah. Dogs, yeah, man. Just, wow. Yeah. Um, all right. COVID sniffing back. dogs. 20, we thought 2020 was crazy. 2021. <laughs> COVID oh sniffing goodness. dogs. COVID sniffing. Oh all right. my goodness. All right. Let, let's, let, let's, let's get back to some basketball. I want to talk a little bit about your time with the heat. Um, mm. But first, before we do that, let's get a quick message from our friends over at Just Live. All right. So we're past the COVID sniffing dog portion of the podcast, which has to happen every time I talk to somebody because I'm obsessed with it. I want to talk about a little bit about when you were down here playing for the heat. Um, and here's something that uh, there's a couple things about just ending up with the heat that fascinate me about you specifically, right? You were at Cleveland state playing at a smaller college when LeBron James does the decision and decides to go to Miami. So you see it as a mid-major college player. And then a year, and then a, a year later, you're there. Like, mm -hmm. what is that, 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 what's the, the thought, pro like the culture shock almost of going from that situation to now you're, now you're in a place that not only has the best player on the planet, another top five player, another top 10 player, but it has championship expectations. And you also just watched it unfold like a year ago, probably thinking like, I mean, maybe I'll play with them, but maybe not. Like it's crazy. And you probably grew up watching like me grew up watching those guys. Yeah, it, man, it was it's crazy because when I was in college, you know, I was just focused on, you know, dominating in college. And so I was in the city when Cleveland was really good. And then I was in the city when LeBron left and it wasn't good. So I, oh, I saw yeah. I saw yeah. exactly how it impacted the downtown area because my, you know, my university, Cleveland State, is right downtown. So I saw the difference from when he was there and when he wasn't there. But I never thought about it. It's like I never thought about going there, going to Miami when I was at Cleveland State. I was so focused on, you know, getting better, trying to help my team win, you know, trying to get drafted. And so to actually go down there, <laughs> to like follow the trail, to go from Cleveland to Miami, you know, it was, one, it was just great to be drafted. First of all, it didn't matter where I went. But then to go to the most watched, the most entertaining team in all the sports at the time, you know, and to be a part of that, you know, we went from being the Miami Heat to the Heatles. And so, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I was just, you know, I was excited to be, you know, to be a part of that and to be able to provide, you know, for my family and also enjoy it and play for a winning, you know, franchise. Was there ever a point when you were, you know, that first year or even the first couple of years 
where you, did you ever think about it then? Or do you ever think about it now that that wasn't just like, obviously being a rookie and I mean, it's the, the situation everyone dreams of. I mean, I walk into the NBA, I'm playing for NBA <laughs> champions, but also did you think about it then or realize looking back on it, like it wasn't just a championship team. It wasn't just a great team full of hall of famers. That team changed the landscape of the NBA. I mean, it changed everything because it was that, I mean, obviously there were great teams with great players before, but never a team like that assembled in that way where three guys decided we're going to all play together and win. Uh, did you, did you realize it at the time or have you reflected on it now? Like we changed that team changed everything. I don't look at it like, like that, even though that is the case, you know, a lot of guys have done what they thought that the heat did, you know, um, but it's been done before. It just was done from a front office standpoint, Mm -hmm. you know, just, that was just probably the first time that the players decided, you know, player empowerment. Because it's not the first time three, you know, great players have played together. You know, the Lakers, right, right, Boston, Celtics, all of those guys who are all top 20, you know, guys, and they all play on the same team. So, but, you know, thinking back on it now, now that you said that, yeah, we, we did change the landscape and how free agency goes. Yeah. That really, is- you know, really, really LeBron. I mean, you know, because if it would have just been D Wade and Chris Bosch together and LeBron didn't come, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal. But for the top player in the world to join, you know, D Wade, who was the, you know, probably behind Kobe, the next best two guard in the whole league. Mm-hmm. And then Chris Bosch, who was, you know, one of the top four men, you know, in the, in, in the league who played for that team USA, you know, that was, that was big, you know, mm-hmm. it was big for free agency. But for me, I didn't think about none of that. I was just trying to come in there and, and play my role and help us win. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, I want to show my worth. That's what I was in there trying to do. You know, and even though I was a rookie, I wasn't like a, a kid rookie. You know, I, I was a grown man coming into the league. I wasn't like 18 or 19 years old. And so, you know, I, I wanted to show my maturity so that I could be out there on the court. Because as you know, you know, Miami Heat are not known for really playing young guards. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe now, but before, you know, yeah. they weren't known for playing, you know, rookie guards, especially not on championship playoff contending teams. And so I wanted to come in and prove right away that I'm mature enough to handle minutes and that I can contribute. And so I'm just thankful that I, I got I had the guys and the coaches trust to put me out there, you know, and it, that's what means the most to me that I was I contributed to a championship team. Right. Were, yeah. Was there any type of um, like we talk about the heat culture, obviously. And, mm-hmm. and the strength and conditioning program is legendary and all that. Was there, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you worked your ass off because to even get to the NBA, you have to, you have to, I mean, I, I was at Florida state for four years. I saw guys go to the league from there and I worked in the league for six. I understand it. I don't think, I don't think the majority of fans do understand like how hard yeah. it actually is. I don't think most people get it. Like they don't, they just Listen, say like, at yeah, most man. What, oh yeah, I think most people are just like, well, they'll find them. No, it's just, it's not that. You, you gotta. You're playing at Cleveland State. You worked your fucking ass off to, to make it to the <laughs> NBA. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, like, it's the truth. Like it. There, how many mid-major guys, you know, from these conferences get drafted? It's not a lot. So, but was there, was there any type of culture like shock just being part of that? Because I think probably a lot of people think you get to the league. All right, now I got a little money. Now I'm a, I'm a, I'm I'm you know 
I'm going to, now it's a business. It's my job. I got a little more freedom, but I think in Miami, there's that culture of hard work, the work ethic. Was it well, more well, of the me, same for you or? For me, it was just, it was who I was already. Yeah. You know, so I was already a workout freak. You know, that's all I, that's all I do. And that's all I did. You know, in my, when I'm, I'm in the off season, I'm still lifting weights. I'm still training, running. You know, I'm always staying physically fit. So it's my lifestyle. And so I think that's one of the reasons why they drafted me because it wouldn't be nothing new to me to work out, to run and lift weights, to come in and train. And when I, when I came in, you know, I think I kind of shocked them about, you know, how, how great shape I was in. Cause remember it was a lockout season. I remember yeah, lockout season. Lockout year. I was waiting. And I still was able to come in and still play which I was able to show them that even though we was locked out, I was still, I was still training. I was still working. Like I said, I wasn't a little kid. I, was, I had done four years of, of college. So I knew what it took to keep my body in shape, you know, and I was highly, highly motivated because the expectation was championship or nothing. Yeah. And so I, I, I was able to organically fit into the heat culture because that was who I was to the core, right. you know, that type of, that type of guy. And so I think that's why, you know, for me, it made it was like perfect sense to play play for the Heat. I think it's a it's a testament to both sides, right? It's a testament to yeah, you. Yeah. It's a testament to you that that's just who you are, and then it's also a testament again to the Heat that they're like, we see it in this kid too. Like, we absolutely, we we see that you know we take a chance on this kid. He's going to bust his ass for us and and be a big part of a championship run. Um, you obviously played for Spo in the relatively early days of him being a head coach, like, have you seen, have you, like, I just remember that first year with LeBron and them and just watching. And there were points in that first season, the year before he got there, where he kind of looked like a deer in the headlights and it's not in any fault of his own. It's tough. I mean, God, you're a young guy, young coach like that. And you inherit basically, you know, the greatest player on the planet. And then, and D Wade and all these other guys, was there a did you see his development over the, the time you're there and have you seen a big change or has he sort of stayed steady in these no. I guess 10 years or so that he's been the head coach? Now he's definitely he's definitely improved over the years, man. I mean, he's a seasoned coach right now. I think he's, he's very like top seasoned. Two or three. Like he, I think he's like top two or three at the yeah, moment. Yeah, for sure. He's one of the top coaches in the league for sure. No question of there's there's no question about that. Um and you can just tell by how comfortable he is. You can tell by his press conferences. You can tell by his demeanor on the court. You can tell by, you know, his adjustments, um, how he's grown. Because Spole Spo is a Miami Heat guy, a guy who believes in, you know, lacing his shoes up, coming into work and grinding every day. And so, you know, people think that he's just, you know, living the, the Miami lifestyle and that he was just giving up position, but – you know, Spo worked hard to get to he's where a video he guy. He's a, yeah, yeah, and he continues to work hard. He's yeah. always Spo's always thinking about, man, how can I get better as a coach, and how can he get his team better? And so, I'm ten. I'm a ten year. This is my tenth season as a pro. I think this is Spo's eleventh season as the head coach. Yeah, and I've definitely seen his his improvement. And then when I was there, I didn't know any different. I had never played for a pro sure. coach, so. If he was good or if he was bad, I didn't know. All I knew was he trusted me to, as a rookie and as a second-year player to be, you know, a point guard for a championship team. That's all I knew. And so I, I didn't want to let him down, and I didn't want to let my teammates down. And so, you know, and for that, 
you know, I, I always, I'm always tell my trainers and my friends at home, I'm always grateful for that because, you know, the heat don't, they don't put young guys out there in, 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 yeah. in those type of situations. So for me to be able to earn, earn his trust, you know, that was, that was cool. Yeah. I mean, if anybody needs to know, I mean, obviously what is my word based on <laughs> over anybody else's, sure. but listen, I was a, I was a video, I was a video guy for almost 10 years, right? Like in at Florida state and in the NBA for six years, it's like you live in a. It's like you live in a room. He started as a video intern, right, it, it, with the Heat, it, and yeah. most people will never know what that job entails and how little. That's, that's probably and, a harder job than the head coach. There's, there's aspects that are that are hard. I will never say that because of. Well, let me let me say. That. Let me. I'll backtrack that. It's harder than some head coaches. Okay, I worked for. <laughs> In my time in Charlotte, we had four head coaches in my five, mm. six years there. And I will say this. I worked for Steve Clifford, who is still the coach of the Magic. And I would argue he's a top five or six coach in the league. He's just underrated. One of the hardest working human beings I've ever been around. I worked for Larry Brown. I couldn't do what Larry Brown does. That's why I'm not in that anymore. <laughs> but there were some coaches that I worked with. It was definitely easier or definitely a harder job than what they were doing for sure. It just, it just depends on the person. I won't name those guys by name, but you could just look at the records. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah. Spo, he's, I, I think he's developed. I, I mean, I don't think it's an argument anymore. The guy's a hall of fame coach at this point. So um, sure. let me ask you this. I want to wrap with this and this isn't even really a heat specific question, but since you played with LeBron, for those years, why do these people keep insisting on talking shit to LeBron? Like, don't you know it's going to end badly? Like, what what do you what do you think is like? What's going what's going through the mind of a, just a normal human that you think you can talk shit to LeBron and it's not going to end poorly for you or your team? Um. Well, I don't know what people think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's crazy. I mean, cause if you watch, if you watch the game, it's better to just let him cruise through the game, and you know. But when you, you know, when you poke the bear, you know, you got to understand what come with that. Mm-hmm. And so, but the interaction, you know, is fun as a player to go through that interaction. But you just got to understand if you're cheering for the opposing team that may not be the best decision. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, so do you want to enjoy your night at the game and say what you want to say, or do you want your team to win? I mean, talk <laughs> shit, to, talk shit and, and no offense to anybody, but talk shit to Alex Caruso, talk shit to KCP. If they go off, okay. But if LeBron takes over, I mean, it's done. You're done. And, and this is twice now in like a week that it's happened. The, Cle- the dude in Cleveland did it. The executive front office dude was sitting courtside and you saw LeBron just went, looked over his shoulder and nodded. And I think he scored like nine straight. And then this yeah. lady, this lady the other night, which is out, these people are out of line. They're crazy. Did you ever, have you ever had any bad experiences where like fans got out of line where it's just to the point? I mean, I'm sure you have mm-hmm. but where, where like, like this lady who apparently. Nah, I, haven't, like, I haven't, I haven't, well, yes, I have in Europe. I have. I yeah, bet. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, yeah they get rowdy. Where it almost it almost came to blows because they did some very disrespectful stuff. But in the in in the NBA though, it's just talk because no one's gonna really do nothing. If right. they come on the court, 
it's a one is violation just against the law. You know, right. you come out there on the course against the law. You know, then obviously if physical contact happens, we know that's against the law. So nobody's really going to do anything. No one wants to be banned for life and players are not going to do anything because they don't want to be banned or get sued or anything. So it's just all talk. But sometimes, you know, the language, I believe, you know, I believe people need to watch their language, man. Some stuff is just out of bounds. You know, some, you know, we live in America and we think we can say what we want, but some things have consequences, I, I believe. And so I think, you know, it's okay to, you know, talk trash, but just there's a limit to it. When you start, you know, using certain, you know, using, for me, any profanity is out. I don't like it, but to say certain words, name calling, you know, using like that B word, you know, that MF yeah. word, all people that, to me, that's, that's out of bounds. You totally. know, I, I'm not with that, but I, but I ignore all of that, you know, I ignore all that. Yeah. I mean, you kind of, it's a, it's a catch 22 because if it was, if you're out on the street, right. But you would never walk up to LeBron and say that yeah, or anybody. I mean, really yeah, anybody, and, like and everyone, vice versa. no player yeah. will walk up to some random person and say right. that. And it's just like, it's unbelievable across all sports. What people think like buying a, a $50, well, obviously they're paying a lot more than 50 bucks, but what people think a ticket entitles you to. It entitles you to one thing: to sit down in your chair and watch the game. Now you yeah. hear and you can yell, and you. It doesn't entitle you to be an absolute disrespectful human, you know, and and just totally like tear down people because I paid a lot of money for this ticket. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I tell you one thing: everybody knows when you come to a heat game in Dade County. I know it's one person on that team that you will not. Oh yeah, no. like that too. Yeah, yeah. They're, not t- they're not talking to forty. They're not talking to forty like that. Nah, nah. No, sir. No, no, no chance. Especially not in Dade County. No, absolutely not. Well, not even just that. I mean, he's at a point in his career where like it doesn't really matter. That like he's he's entrenched. He'll be with that organization no matter what he does. So it yeah, <laughs> it's a wrap. If you, but you know what? That's probably why it's never happened. That's probably yeah. why it's never. That's probably why it's never happened. And when a guy's born and raised somewhere. He got yeah. people that's loyal to him that mm-hmm. he don't even know. <laughs> it's crazy, right? It's crazy. And yeah. he really does. You know what? He really does down here. He really does. I, I know. I, he I, really I'm does. I'm telling you what I know. I, it's I'm crazy. You exactly dude. what I know. <laughs> it's crazy. Dorrance, man, this has been this has been awesome, dude. I appreciate you jumping on and hopefully we'll uh we'll get to do this a little more often. But uh man, appreciate it. And no problem, uh, man. good you. luck. Good luck with you got any games? When's your next game? Uh Friday. All right, man. Well, good luck, and maybe we'll talk to you next week and see see how it went, and we'll talk a little more heat. Absolutely. All right, dude. Heat Nation. All right, take it easy. All right. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.